Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that the church is the pillar of the truth. The church, the, the, the house of God, it says the church is the pillar of the truth. Now what that means is the church is the proclaimer of the church. The, the church is the instrument. The church is the place where the truth is held up, where the truth is illuminated, and where the truth is on display. Now what that means is if is this. If people are going to hear about Jesus Christ, if they're going to hear the truth of the gospel, they're going to hear it through a properly functioning church. The church is the pillar of the truth. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says that the church is, it's 1 Timothy chapter 3 as well, the church is the support of the truth. It is the upholder of the truth. Now those two things are tied very closely together. Now what that means is this. The church exists to guard the truth of the gospel, to protect the truth, the, 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 the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what the church does. Those are the things that the church is tasked with. It is to illumine, to proclaim the good news of the gospel in a dark and dying world, and it is to protect, to uphold the, the truth of that gospel. Over the course of my ministry, I have come to a conclusion and that is this, our world is a mess. Our world is a mess. Anyone agree our world is an absolute mess? Our nation is a giant, chaotic, wicked mess. Our culture, our government, our homes, our lives, our world today is a mess. And I'll tell you, it is picking up pace. We see it everywhere we turn. Things that would be astounding five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. It seems like we see those things fall every single day. Our world is a mess because the church is a mess. That's the conclusion that I've come to. The, the church is a mess. Now, let me tell you what, what, I, what I mean by that. Today, the church is weak. The church is floundering. The church today is drowning in a sea of false teaching. And it, it's really crazy. Some of the things that are, are taught as biblical truth and they're nowhere in the Bible. The church is drowning in a sea of false teaching. The church today has lost its purpose doesn't even know why it exists. It's become some sort of, of club. The church has embraced goals and ideals that are of the world. And you see, well, you know what? This is what the world values, and this is what the world promotes. And the church has embraced those ideals. The world is a mess because the church is a mess. And here's what I've, here's what I've decided. And the church is a mess because in the last 70 years, it's men have gone missing. That's what I believe. The church is a mess today because it's men the last 70 years have gone missing. Look around today. Men have surrendered. They have given over or they have plain neglected their place in the church of Jesus Christ. And the world is suffering because of that truth. Do you know that's why we started this lunch? You know, that's why we invest in this lunch. You know, that's why we endeavor to keep this lunch going. It's because of that. The men in the church have gone missing. 
Listen, here's the truth. We need men to reclaim their place in the church, to, to step back up, to stand back up and reclaim the place that God has given them in their church. We need men to come along and say, I'm going to guard the gospel. I'm going to know the truth of God's word. I'm going to understand what the truth of scripture says. We need men that are going to say, I'm going to preach this gospel. I'm going to proclaim this gospel. I'm going to tell it to my friends and my coworkers and my family. We need men to say, you know what? There is a hope. There is a savior and it rests in our, in the person of Jesus Christ. We need men to rise up in the church today. Last 70 years, and this is, this is what I believe, I think we've seen, and I call it this, the sissification of the church. And that's, that's not going to be a popular word. I can promise you that's not going to be a popular thing. We have, we have watched the sissification of the church. We have given over to women what we were called to do in the church. Now, let me tell you this. God blessed those faithful women who took up a cause that wasn't theirs. God blessed them. But we, we've come along in the last 70 years and we have made it a weak thing. What a weak thing to participate in the life of your church. We've actually made it a feminine thing to, to participate in the church. Well, that's for old ladies. We, we've made it a, a soft thing. And we've piled the duties that were given to us as men and we've, we've moved on to what we would say a, a more manly pursuit. Really, it's a more selfish pursuit. Seventy years later, we savagely kill our preborn kids. You notice that's what's happened? Seventy years later, we vote on homosexual ministers. Well, we don't need to vote on that. Seventy years later, where, what's happened? That's what we're doing. Seventy years later, we actually have a culture that says gender is fluid. There's no such thing as male and female. That's what's happened in the last 70 years when men have gone missing in the church. The world today is a dadgum mess. Well, I'm going to tell you, here, here's the good news. Today in our men's lunch, I'm going to tell you the truth of a Bible-driven man and his church. And here's the truth. And the good news is, is this. The truth still stands. The truth still has power. The truth will still shape us. And so I want to show us today, in the midst of this mess, I want to show you the truth of the Bible-driven man and his church. Now, there's just two truths, and they are this. The first is this. The church is for you. The church is for you. Listen, hear that. The church is for you. Really, really, you need the church is what I'm trying to say. In fact, listen to this and be very careful. Be very clear in hearing this. You cannot and you will not be the disciple of Jesus Christ that he has intended for you to be apart from his church. Well, what, I, I do my own stuff. Well, I've got my own system. Listen, that, it's not going to happen. That is the truth. You cannot and you will not be the disciple of Jesus Christ that he has intended for you to be apart from his church. Now, I go around today and you probably do the same. I hear men say, well, we have this deal worked out. Me and God have a deal worked out. Men come along and say, well, God knows my heart. He knows my intent. Well, well, I can worship anywhere. You know what? Some of the greatest worship I've ever had is on the deer blind somewhere sitting out in nature. And God understands that. And we see wives that are taking their kids to church, taking the lead in the home, and we've rationalized, you know what? It's okay. It is just normal. Be sure and listen to this. Hear this today. You need the church. You need the church. The church is God's plan for you. 
The church is God's will for you. And to be out of his church is to be out of his will. Now, what that means is this. It's a sin. Well, it's a choice. No, it's a sin. His, his plan is for you to be involved in the church. His will is that you'd be in the church. If you're out of the church, you're out of his will. And, the, and it is a sin to be standing outside of his church. Listen, Satan knows that. Satan understands that. One of the greatest victories in these last years is that, that Satan has made us accept this. Satan understands that. Let me, let me tell you some good things that happened for you in the church. First is this. In the church, you are trained and are taught. In the church, you're trained and you're taught. That's a, that's a tremendous thing. God in his wisdom blesses the church with called and gifted teachers and preachers. And you learn, you grow when you hear the correct proclamation of the word of God. If somebody is correctly teaching and preaching the word of God, as you come and as you sit under that, as you take it in, you grow as a disciple in the teaching of God's word. You're trained in the church. Listen, you need the church. What if there were a five-year program you finished college and you've wrapped that up. And there's a five-year program to be a surgeon. Hey, there's a five-year program for you to be a surgeon. And here's what your five years look like. First, first year, you're all in. You love it. You're excited about it. Got a new direction for my life. I'm going to be a surgeon. First year, you're all in and you're participating in the program. Second year comes along. You know what? It's getting kind of old hat. And so you miss half the events. We got a class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. You know what? I'm going to miss half of those events. I don't, I don't need to catch up with that. Third year comes along and you think, you know what? I've got some books at home and I'll just look at them. We got Google now. I can Google some of this stuff. And you go six times the third year. Fourth year comes along and, and you know what? You've gotten so used to being out of the habit and, and I've, I've missed some of that stuff that you know what? The fourth year comes along and you might hit it some and you might catch a week in the spring and you get excited again, but you miss most of the fourth year. And the fifth year comes along and you say, you know what? I'm gonna go on the high spots the first day and I'm gonna show up for graduation. Six months later, you got a job and somebody needs a heart surgery or a, or a kidney surgery and you walk in and say, hi, I'm Dr. Joe, and I'm going to be your surgeon. Not for me, you're not. You, there's no way you would be equipped for that. Not for me, you're not. Isn't that what we're doing? We say, you know what? I'm going to put myself outside the teaching of God's gifted teachers in the context of the church. You need the church. You're trained. You're equipped in the context of the church. Second thing is this. You're held accountable in the church. Maybe that's why we don't like it, but you're held accountable in the church. Now, I've said this many times, but as men, for sure, we have a pack mentality, which means, you know what, the crowd goes this way. For some reason, we start to gravitate with the crowd. We have a pack mentality. You need people in your life with the same focus. You need people in your life with the same direction. You need people in your life say, you know what, yes, I'm a sinner, I'm a mess, I've sure messed things up, but you know what, I want to order my home like this. I want to, I want to treat my wife the way the, the Bible's directed me to treat her. I want to operate in my business the way that God says I should operate a Christian business. You need people to be in the same path, the same direction in your life. You need people that see you, see you grow. You need people to see you stall out. 
You even need people to say, you know what, hey, that's not going to work. Hey, that doesn't line up with the truth of our, of our, of our truth, the, the, the word of God. You need to be held accountable. You know what? We are held accountable in the context of the church. I, I remember this, and it's been, been a long time back, but I always, it always struck me. 1992, I went out to Texas Tech and went to spring football practice. And I remember getting there and, and, and showing up on campus and, and getting all the pads issued to you and all the stuff. Most awesome thing ever. Man, look at this stuff, and here we go, and it's an awesome time. And you get there, and, and you know what? Everybody you're around in that locker room loves football. If you didn't love football, you wouldn't be. We, they love football, and they want to succeed in football. You know what? I, I'm going to get me a starting spot. You know what? I'm not just going to get a starting spot. I'm going to be the best person ever at that starting spot. Here's a bunch of guys, and they want to succeed in football. They want to win. Man, they want to win. It's in the locker room. They want to beat Texas. They want to tear the goalpost down and shove it up in the stands. They, they want to win back then the Southwest Conference. They want to have a national ranking. They know the goal. They know what is at stake. Here's what I noticed the very first day. At the end of practice, we're going to run sprints. And with those folks that love football, that are committed to the goal, that want to win, that want to succeed, the coach still holds a stopwatch. I, I remember looking over, you know what? He still watches the line to make sure you touch it before you go back. Down there, back, down there, back, 35 seconds. Don't do it. We're going to run another. They still hold the stopwatch. Listen, we need people to hold us accountable. That's what we have in the church. You know what? I see you, and I see what you're doing, and I see your struggles. And you know what? You need somebody to put their eyes on you. We have accountability in the context of the church. Here's something else we have in the church. You're cared for in the church. A couple things that that looks like. First thing is this. You're encouraged in the context of the church. You're encouraged over and over and over again. And really, I don't think I realized it until you start to, to carefully read the New Testament. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see the need for encouragement. And here's the truth. Life is hard. Life, life is tough. Sometimes it's too much. And I'll just tell you, following Jesus Christ in a world that hates Christ, following Christ, it is hard. Following Christ, it is tough. Sometimes following Christ, it is too much. We need people in our life to say, you know what, it's going to be okay. You know what, it's, it's going to be all right. You know what, keep on. I've been where, you, where you're at and I've seen how this turns out. You know what, it's going to be okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. We need people to encourage us. And you know what, you're going to find those in the church. Here's what I've noticed. You know what people do outside of the church? They kick your feet out from under you. Well, I heard, I heard this. Let me kick your feet out from under you. Well, I hear it's a, a tough time you're in. Well, let me tell all my friends. Well, I hear you're, you're, you're having a financial struggle or a relationship struggle. Well, they come along and they're, not, they're the opposite of encouraging. You need people to say, you know what, brother, I know where you're at. I know where you're going. And you need the encouragement that comes from the church. Something else that we have in the care of the church is people that will pray for you or pray with you. And maybe that's the greatest thing that we miss the, the power of that. We, we can pray for each other in the church. We can pray with each other in the church. One of the most awesome things is if someone say, you know what, I'm going to pray with you and let's stop and pray right now and, and vow when you're in the hospital. And you know what, it, it's a tough time and you're worried about it. We're going to pray together. And somebody else, well, we got this going on. You know what, we're going to pray about that. We can care for each other by praying together. 
as Christians in the church. First thing is this, listen, the church is for you. The church is for you. Well, I don't need it. Listen, you can't be who you need to be outside of an active participant in a New Testament church. You can't do it. The church is for you. Second thing is this, and maybe we forget this part. You are for the church. You are for the church. Now, the first thing is this. The church is for you. Yes, you need it. Second thing is this. You are for the church. Did you know, and this is straight up what the Bible says, did you know that when you were saved, you made an individual decision? Your granny didn't make it. Your group didn't make it. When you were saved, you made an individual decision, but your individual decision placed you in a corporate body. It placed you in a community. You made a decision to follow Christ, and when that happened, you're placed in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Verse 27 says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. What that, what that is saying is this, God placed you in the church. It's not if, it's not maybe. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the holy, magnificent creator, God of the world, placed you in the church. The Bible says this, he has given you a gift to use in the church. As a believer, you have a gift to use in the church. And listen, somebody else may not have that gift. As a believer, you have a purpose to fulfill in the church. You have a purpose to fulfill in the church. He gave you a mission to serve in the church. As Christians, we have a mission to carry out and to serve in the church. God places us in the church for a reason. Deliberately, intentionally, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he placed you in a church for a reason. What that means is this. Therefore, you're needed in the church. God put you there for a purpose, gave you a gift. Therefore, you have, here's a bigger thing, you have a duty to the church. You have a responsibility to the church. We live in an age where I don't want any duties, I don't want any responsibilities. You have a responsibility to the church. Very plainly, I'll just say it like this, very plainly, the church suffers when you're missing. The church suffers when you're missing. You have a duty. You have a responsibility. You have a gift. There's something God put you in the church to do that maybe somebody else can't do. The church suffers when you're missing. The church is for you, and you are for the church, and that's God's plan. Man, I, I'm so convinced of this. I, I, it just, I can't see straight. We, we watch our world today, and you can watch the news. We see the craziness of our world today. And if we have any sense at all, we can't understand the wickedness and the craziness of our world, and we want to see God move. Let me tell you something, friend. We're going to see God move, and we're going to see him move in our homes, and we're going to see him move in our churches, and we're going to see him move in our lives, and we're going to see him move in our kids and our wives. We're going to see the world start to change. We're going to see a whole lot of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to uphold the glory of a risen Savior, Jesus, until he comes again. But we're going to see that when men step back up 
in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to see a revival. Listen, commit to the church. The church is for you. You You're a needed asset for your church. Oh, I want to see folks saved. Oh, I want to push back against darkness. Listen, commit to his church. God will bless you and God will bless it. When's the world going to turn around? It's when men say, you know what, there's a risen Savior. He's given me a purpose. He's given me a gift. Boy, Lord, I need it, and I commit to my church. He will bless it, and he will bless you. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for forgiveness. We're thankful for new starts. We're thankful for restoration. We're thankful that when we mess up, you call us back. When we get off track, you don't grind us up. We're thankful that the truth always stands. We're thankful that you're kind and you're gracious and you're dealing with us. We're thankful for a risen, reigning Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for the men in this room as we've heard this today, that we would understand we have a responsibility, we have a duty, we need the church. I pray for men to to, to stand and to come and to hear the teaching, to take in the the biblical direction. I pray for men to come and to, to pray for each other and to be encouraged and encourage one another. I pray for men to then be a beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ and upholder of the doctrine of the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I pray the result would be this. I pray that wives would be blessed. I pray that little kids, Lord, looking for direction today, they would be blessed. I pray for a culture headed straight for the darkness of hell, that they would be blessed. I pray for the church, that it would be strengthened, that it would, that it would ignite and that the church would be blessed. I pray for a nation that's, that's wandering away from you, that's gone and left you. I pray that a nation would be blessed. And I pray that when you come back, and I believe it's soon, I pray that you'd be greatly glorified through a church full of men who are serving your name. God, help us to be those men. Lord, for your name's sake, for your glory, for your cause. And I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.